Let me invite you to turn to Luke chapter 10 this evening, Luke chapter 10. We live in a busy culture, perhaps a busy time in life, no matter what the culture, but we live in a particularly busy culture and we often fill up our time with lots of busy things. We have work and school and activities and church and family and friends and sometimes it's hard when to say no. I feel like we have to say yes to everyone and here in Luke chapter 10, Jesus teaches us how to have proper priorities. Last week we looked at hospitality. Who is my neighbor? Was the question that the expert of the law raised. And the point is that we must have a, uh, an overarching concern for a genuine hearing of the Word. For those who genuinely hear, they will respond with a, a, a right sort of living. And for the proper, the, the full disciple of Jesus, the genuine disciple of Jesus, he would recognize that all people are his neighbors, that anyone who, uh, whom he came across would be his neighbor. The Samaritan gave us a good example of what that sort of godly, loving, and uh, uh, sacrificial sort of life looks like. He extended hospitality to a needy traveler. Well, Jesus and His disciples now are those needy travelers. They're going to arrive at the house of some of their friends and they are in need of care and we want to see how uh, a genuine disciple of Jesus responds when, when Jesus and His disciples are in need. Look at Luke chapter 10, beginning in verse 38. This is the Word of God. Now, as they were traveling along, he entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister called Mary, who was seated at the Lord's feet, listening to his word. But Martha was distracted with all her preparations, and she came up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Then tell her to help me. But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things. But only one thing is necessary, for Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. There are lots of things that are important in life, lots of things that would be described as acts of service, but there is nothing, nothing more important than our relationship with Christ. We see three primary things in this passage, three primary truths that, that we can, um, or, or three pri- primary points. Verse 38, we see the hospitality of a willing servant. The hospitality of a willing servant. Martha recognizes that there is a need. It says It begins by saying, as they were traveling along. Well, let's think about where Jesus and His disciples were coming from. In chapter 8, verse 26, they were in the country of the Gerasenes. It's where the demoniac was, and Jesus healed him. And then they left there, went back across the Sea of Galilee, back to Capernaum. And then later on, in chapter 9, he's feeding the 5,000. He comes back from that miracle of casting out the demon to feed the 5,000. And then he goes up to the top of Mount Hermon at the end of chapter 9, and he, he has the transfiguration. The transfiguration takes place. And this was a mountain range that was in the far north of Israel, north even of the Sea of Galilee. 
And that's the last recorded place that Luke says that Jesus and His disciples are. So, so that's where we find them, in the far north of Israel. And then they come to this home of Martha. Martha, and we know this is the Mary and Martha whose brother Lazarus was raised from the, de- the, from the dead in John chapter 11. And they lived in a city called Bethany. Bethany was two miles east of Jerusalem. And so it was probably 120 miles south of the last place that Jesus and His, his disciples had been. Now, that doesn't mean that they made that trip all at one time in a three-day span, but it was as they were traveling. Remember, Jesus is on His way to Jerusalem. He's going to head down here, and actually He's going to head back up to Galilee one more time before He finishes off back in Jerusalem. But, but the point is that He's been coming from a long way down to the home of Mary and Martha, and she invites them in. What we need to recognize about their culture is they lived in a time in a culture of infrequent bathing. Many cultures in our, uh, in our world are like that. Their common mode of travel was walking. And so after walking through dusty roads, the dusty roads of Israel, they would come to someone's house and the normal custom was for the person to wash their feet or at the very least provide water for them to wash their own feet. It would be the common courtesy. Maybe we could likened to taking a person's coat when they come into your house. It's just custom that we ask to take their coat. And so this is what would take place. And so Martha had a lot of responsibilities. And she invites Jesus into her home. Notice, the text doesn't make it clear that all the disciples are there, but I I, I tend to think that it's Jesus and His disciples. Notice the text, verse 38. Now, as they were traveling along, He, Jesus, entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed Him, Jesus, into her home. So what the text does make clear is that at least Jesus was there. But I I tend to think that that the disciples were there with Him and so she would have had a great amount of responsibility. As the host, she would be responsible to make sure that their feet were washed and that there was enough water for cleaning their feet and enough water for cooking. And remember, they couldn't just turn on the kitchen faucet to get that water, in order to get that water, how would she do that? You have to find the nearest well, right? And so there's a lot of work that's involved in preparing a meal and in caring for these people who have been traveling for a long time. And so, so she is busy getting everything ready, and at the same time, Jesus is teaching. In verses 39 and 40, we see the frustration of a busy servant. The frustration of a busy servant. Because of all the responsibilities, Martha is running around trying to get everything ready. Look at verse 40. But Martha was distracted with all her preparations. She had a lot to do in a short amount of time. So she's distracted. And while Martha is busy taking care of all of her preparations, look at what Mary's doing in verse 39. She had a sister called Mary who was seated at the Lord's feet listening to His Word. This was a proper place for a disciple to be at the feet of her teacher. Mary was a genuine disciple and she wanted to just sit there and listen to Jesus teach. It showed that Mary was devoted to Christ, that she was humble, that she was willing to listen, wanting to learn, wanting to change. This is a good position for Mary to be in. Now, that doesn't mean that Martha was not a follower of Christ. I'm sure Martha would have loved to sit and listen to Jesus teach. But in her mind, now was not the time. 
It was time to serve Jesus. It was time to serve His needs and the needs of the disciples, not the time to sit and listen to Jesus. So in her busyness, Martha makes a quick evaluation about the situation. Look at verse 40, the second part of the verse. And she came up to Him, Jesus, and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Then tell her to help me. I'm here doing all the work and Mary is doing nothing. Notice the word that she uses for what what Martha uses to describe what Martha is doing. It is serving. She has left me to do the serving alone. In other words, she's not serving. She's not serving. I'm serving. Have you ever been there? You felt like you were doing all the work. while someone else is just sitting around doing nothing. It can be very frustrating. And that's the way Martha looks at Mary's actions, that she is doing nothing. And so she says to Jesus, don't you care that I am serving alone? Serving. That's a good thing, right? To serve. And yet Mary's not doing a good thing. She's not serving. And so she... She requests of Jesus in the form of an imperative command, tell her to help me. In other words, I have a responsibility here to serve, and my responsibility of serving would be a lot easier if Mary were serving alongside with me. The implication is that Martha, in her mind, was doing the most important thing. She was serving the needs of Jesus and His disciples. And Mary was not. But Jesus changes her perspective here in verses 41 and 42 by showing Martha what is of greatest importance, what is of first priority. And so in verses 41 and 42, we see the priority of a focused servant. A priority of a focused servant servant. Notice Jesus' loving response in verse 41. But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, 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 you are worried and bothered about so many things. Now, it could be that he repeated her name in order to interrupt her. Maybe she was just rambling on. Tell her to help me. Why, why is nobody else helping me? Please tell her to help And Jesus says, Martha, Martha, calm down. Mary's doing the better thing. But I I think more likely that could be the case. But more likely, He is sympathizing with her. Martha, Martha, don't you recognize what is of greatest importance? And notice the contrast that Jesus gives in verse 42. Well, let's look at verse 41. You are worried and bothered about so many things. And the contrast is that Mary is worried and bothered by one thing, or she is concerned about one thing. Martha, many things. Lots of acts of service. Mary, one thing. And the other contrast is that Martha will not get what she asks for. The end of verse 42, which shall not be taken away from her. Martha saying, tell her to help me. And Jesus says, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to give you what you want. I'm not going to take away from her what you want. Mary will stay at my feet. You will not get her 
for your service. And in Jesus' response, He blesses Mary's priorities. He, he commends Mary's priorities. Martha is worried and concerned about so many things, verse 41, which she would call service. And I think rightfully so. That was an act of service, what she was doing. But in contrast, Mary is concerned about one thing and Jesus says that one thing that she chose was the right thing. Look at verse 42. But only one thing is necessary. You have all these things that you're distracted about, but there's only one thing that's necessary and Mary has chosen the better. And it will not be taken away from her. In other words, there's only one thing that is necessary for us. Or the primary thing we could say that is necessary for us to be concerned about is what Mary was doing. Look back up to verse 39 to see what she was doing. She had a sister called Mary who was seated at the Lord's feet listening to His Word. Mary was doing what was best and Jesus commends her for that. Now let me just make a a few clarifications and then we'll move into our application. Okay, serving is not bad. When we hear that Mary chose the good thing, we might automatically think that Martha was doing what was what. If Mary did what was good, Martha was doing what was bad. But that's not the case. Okay, we need to be clear that service is not the opposite of listening to Christ. A service is not antithetical to listening to Christ. Jesus was not saying, don't ever serve anyone I want you always, every hour of every day, spending your time listening to Me. That is the needful thing. That's not what Jesus was saying. Because He he would teach earlier and later on in His ministry that those who genuinely hear Jesus are those who respond with action, who respond with service. In other words, this is a matter of values, not a matter of good versus bad. It's a matter of better versus good. Mary was doing what was better. Martha was doing something that was good. A matter of values. Mary's act of worship was of of the highest value. And what that means is not that Martha's act of worship, act of service, was of no value, but it was of lesser value than what Mary was doing. Turn to chapter 9. Verse 59, because I want, I want to be clear about this point because sometimes we can kind of get in this holy cloud you know, sort of mindset that I don't have to do anything. I'm just going to spend all my time looking into the Word and I don't have to serve anybody. But I want you to, to be clear when you go from here that serving is not a bad thing. In fact, it's the necessary result of proper worship, of properly hearing. Chapter 9, verse 59, And he said to another, Follow me. But he said, Lord, permit me first to go and bury my father. But he said to him, Allow the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim everywhere the kingdom of God. Okay, let's think about this. Is this a matter of good versus bad? Was it bad? Was it evil of this man to bury his father? No, that's not what Jesus was saying. He's saying it's a matter of values here. It is a good thing to bury your father. But in this case, you need to turn and, and show your genuine 
uh, discipleship, that you are willing to follow me at all costs. You're, you give up your greatest, your greatest relationships in order to follow me. So it's a matter of better versus good, or best versus good. How about the next verse there in chapter 9, verse 61? Another also said, I will follow you, Lord, but first permit me to say goodbye to those at home. But Jesus said, no one after putting his hand to the plow and looking back, back is fit for the kingdom of God. Was it evil for this man to say goodbye to his family? In this case, Jesus is saying it's not the best choice. And in fact, it shows that you're not committed to me. But he wasn't saying that all things are evil. He wasn't saying that acts of service were evil. He was saying that they are only of lesser value than, than this one needful thing, as he would call it in chapter 10. And that is to sit at His feet and listen to Him. And what we should learn from this is that uh, is the second point of clarification that I want to make is we must not sacrifice the best at the altar of the good. Okay, so if we, we think about just a, a metaphor, this didn't actually happen, but just think about an altar. And Mary's altar, she brings the sacrifices of good things, lots of service. And, and, and what she gives up in order to bring those kinds of sacrifices is the best thing. Sometimes what we do is sacrifice what is best for something that is only good. Sometimes the things in our life that are only good take precedence over the thing that is the best. And so in that case, they actually can become acts of of defiance against God. Like Jesus says, you can't turn your head back to the, at the plow and expect to, to, to receive the kingdom of God. You see, what happens is those acts of goodness can actually become competitors for what is best. They can become idols. And I think that's the problem here with Martha in chapter 10. She was doing something that was good and that was commendable but it wasn't the best thing. And that's what happened in chapter 9. They were doing something that was good, but their good act of service was in competition with what was best. And so Jesus says, listen, if you want to be My disciple, you need to recognize what is the best thing. And, and when I'm here, the best thing for you is to give up some of these things that seem like necessities. Set those aside in order to do what is best which is to sit at my feet and listen to me. Two implications, two points we can draw from the text, and then two applications. First implication, service is not unnecessary. Recognize there's kind of a double negative there. Service is not unnecessary. The point of this passage is not that we should never serve. You know, I'm done doing any acts of service for God, for my family, for the church. I'm not going to serve any of those people. I need to just read my Bible. I'm going to go away to a monastery. I'm just going to read my Bible all the time. That's not what Jesus is teaching. Because I can tell you on the authority of God's Word that that is not what a genuine disciple does. And the reason I know that is because of 1 John chapter 4, verses 20 and 21 that says, If someone says, I love God and yet hates his brother... He is a liar. For the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. 
someone who goes away and never does any acts of service is not a true follower of God. Or how about Mark chapter 7 when Jesus was going after the Jewish elders and He says to them, you know, you're calling on Me to be faithful to the law. But what about you? You are so good, you religious leaders. You're so good at neglecting the commandment of God in order to hold up your tradition. You can't even help out your parents because you've called that money that should be going to help them, you've called it Corbin, which means set aside for God's purposes. So their parents get maybe a little bit older and they they need some help and naturally the children are the ones who are supposed to step up and take care of them. And these religious leaders are saying, sorry, mom and dad, we can't help you. We've already, all this money that we have, it's already set aside for God's purposes. And Jesus is saying, that is God's purposes. Honor your parents. So that's not what Jesus is calling for. He's not saying, don't do any acts of service. Or how about the parable that we looked at last week? What if the excuse of the priest that passed by was, you know, I'm on my way to learn from God. That excuse would not cut it because he was in a position where he had the means to help a man, but instead he came, he saw, and he passed by on the opposite side of the road. You see, service is not unnecessary. Service is important to the work of God. And it is a proper indication or reflection of our genuine worship, our genuine discipleship of Jesus Christ. Service is not unnecessary. So don't misunderstand the point. Second implication, and this is the primary this is the primary point, the primary theme in this text, and it is this the greatest priority must be your first priority. The greatest priority as a disciple must be your first priority. That's the point. If you spend your entire life... Okay, so we talked about one extreme, going away to the monastery, only reading the Bible, never doing any acts of service. Let's think about the other extreme. What if we spend our entire life doing acts of service like Martha's doing here? What if we spent all of our time caring for our parents? What if we spent all of our time being a good Samaritan to someone in need? But throughout our life, we never took time to listen to God speak. If you spend your life only doing acts of service and never listening to God speak, you have wrong priorities. Don't sacrifice the best at the altar of the good. Let me just say this a little bit closer to home. It's not just if you spend your whole life doing acts of service and never take time to listen to God. Let's bring it down a little closer to home. If you spend your whole week doing acts of service, things that would be counted as serving, but you never take time to listen to God speak, then you have wrong priorities. Your weeks need to be marked by the proper priorities. I'm going to listen to God. I'm going to hear Him speak. Jesus says, that is the one needful thing. And that will not be taken away from her. Martha had misplaced priorities 
service is critical. But it must be founded on the teaching of Jesus. You see, Jesus was actually equipping Mary for greater and more effective service. Mary was going to be a better servant having sat at the feet of Jesus. And that's why it's so important that we properly order our priorities. Think of it this way. We must hear first and serve second. Hear first, serve second. We can't serve without hearing. Our acts of service are worthless if they're not grounded in the proper teaching of the Scripture. So let me encourage you this week to make an accounting of your priorities. Where is it that you spend your time? Maybe you're a person that that the people, when they look at you, they think of you as a servant, always looking out for the needs of other people. And praise God for that. But are you are you taking time to listen to God? Are you taking time to hear Him speak? Because your first priority and my first priority ought to be to listen to Jesus, to sit at His feet and listen to Him. You must not, like Martha, neglect that one needful thing. There is nothing, nothing more important than for you to listen to God speak. So those are the two points of implication. Now let's think of application, how we can apply this to our life. Okay, and there are two that, that I just want to draw your attention to. First, the greatest way that I can serve you as, as a congregation is by studying God's Word. My greatest act of service to you is to, to be able to study and to be able to preach God's Word properly. And, and I can tell you that I am thankful that God has charged me with the responsibility to be your pastor. And I take joy in serving the needs of the church, but I want you to know that there is nothing more important that I can do with my time than to learn from God. And I recognize that there's a balance that needs to be made. If I'm always studying but never doing any acts of service, then I'm ne- neglecting my responsibility to oversee what is going on in the church. I'm res- neglecting my responsibility to be a proper under-shepherd. A shepherd actually is one who leads and one who serves. But there is nothing more important for me to do with my time than to study God's Word. And I'm thankful that from the beginning of the time that I've been here, you have given me adequate time to give to the passages that I'm going to preach. The strongest tree is the one that has the deepest roots and the best soil. And the strongest church is going to come from having our roots planted deep in the best soil, the soil of God's Word. And the only way that that's going to happen is when we as a church pay careful attention to the teaching of Jesus. And so I, as an under-shepherd, have the responsibility, now to change metaphors, to lead you to the best water. And there's nothing better for your soul than for me to do that. I could spend a lot of time, time out in your homes doing lots of activities, But there's nothing better that I can do with my time than to prepare for you a meal from God's Word so that you can feast 
on what God wants for us. Second application is this. The greatest way to prepare to serve is to learn from God. The greatest way to prepare to serve is to learn from God. Again, Jesus is not saying get rid of all service. He's saying be a better servant. And the best servant is the one who prepares properly. See, Mary was actually going to be a better servant because of having sat at the feet of Jesus. Some of you might be thinking about going into full-time paid ministry. And if you're like me, you've heard the argument or even thought this way, you know, going to seminary is not important. I need to get out there and do ministry, right? There are lost souls out there and they're dying and I just need to get out there. Now, before I move on, I just want to be clear that I know lots of great men who are doing God's work, and and there's no commandment in Scripture for seminary, by the way. And I know lots of great men who are doing God's work who didn't go to seminary. But, But what I would suggest to you is that the best way to serve your future congregation or mission is to prepare yourself before you go, whether that be in seminary or otherwise. Imagine a chief of police who had a candidate come into his office and say, listen, my history's clean. I'm a good citizen. I'm here to serve. I'm ready to serve. And I want to join the police force. And the chief of police says to him, okay, what training do you have? And he responds, well, my dad was a police officer. I've watched a lot of cop shows. And the chief says, well, you need to go to police academy at the very least. You need to get some training. Well, I don't want to waste my time and all that. When... There are lots of things that could be done out in the city. I could be protecting the city, serving the city. And the chief would respond by saying, the best way for you to serve the city is to adequately prepare yourself for the challenges that you will face. You need to get a broad understanding of the laws of the city. You need to know how to handle your weapon properly. You need to know what to do in crisis situations. You need to learn how to rely on your partner. You need to know when to call for backup. So my point is that seminary is not a waste of time if you are going into ministry. As if real ministry pleases God and seminary is kind of an unimportant little footnote waste of time. Seminary helps to increase your knowledge of the Scriptures. And I can assure you that if you go in with a humble heart that you will add a whole new dimension to the bank of your biblical knowledge. More than you have even now. Seminary also helps with maturity. It gives a broader understanding of the most critical doctrines of Scripture. It it helps you to become more grounded. As a pastor or a missionary, you can be sure that you will face obstacles that could dismount you if you are not firmly seated in the saddle of orthodoxy. If you are not grounded in the Word, your congregation could lead you to do what Paul warned about in 2 Timothy 4.3. The time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires. How are you going to know what is sound doctrine and what is something that's just going to tickle their ears? How do you know that? 
And I would suggest to you that you need to have heard from God. You need to have spent time thinking about the deep things of God. I can guarantee you that in ministry you will be bombarded with multiple attacks. Subtle doctrines that you wouldn't have otherwise noticed. And these doctrines will dismantle a whole church. But if you are grounded in the Scripture, and as you become more and more grounded in the Scripture, you will know what to look for. You will know that that all these new heresies that are coming around are really just repackaged old heresies. And you'll get to learn about all those. I recognize that there's also a danger in going to seminary. That a lot of times seminary students can become puffed up. They can use their knowledge as a club to beat people into humility. But I can assure you that that is the exception and not the norm. Seminary is designed actually to humble you and to ground you deeper in the faith so that you will be able to teach sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. Titus 1.9 The best way that you can serve your future congregation is by deepening your understanding in the things of God. The most effective Christians that you will ever meet, and I would say that the best servants that you will ever meet, are the ones who are most earnest about following God. That's Mary. She was very earnest about following God. She wanted to know exactly what Jesus thought. You want to be the best kind of servant? You want to be the most faithful you possibly can? The most effective? Then be earnest about listening to God speak. And make it a priority in your life to give your time to listening to Him. The best and most effective servants are grounded in the Word of God and in prayer. And they have not, like Mary, neglected that one needful thing. Let's pray. Father, I I praise You for the opportunities that we have to sit at the feet of Jesus. So convenient for us in our culture, in our country, to be able to hear Him speak. To learn about saints of old who looked forward to the Jesus we now know, looked forward to the Redeemer. We can read about the Gospels and how Jesus walked through this world, how He handled various circumstances, what kinds of things He emphasized. We can read through the the Acts and how the church was established. We can read through the epistles, find out what is most important for our age. We can read through the end times, learn about what is going to happen. And Lord, we must admit that we don't do it enough. If there is one thing that is often neglected in, in our lives, it is the one needful thing. Sometimes, Acts of service can be easier than sitting down and listening to you speak. So we pray that You'd help us to make proper priorities. Lord, 
in our day. There are lots of things we have to do. And it's hard to make time to hear you speak. In our week, we fill it up with so many things. We get distracted and worried about things that are not of most importance. We pray that You'd help us to set aside time where we will listen to Jesus speak. And Lord, again, we don't want to be hearers only. We want to be doers. So transform us through this this, uh, act of hearing. Change us to be better servants, more equipped to do Your will with better motivations and, and better hearts behind our acts of service. Or we don't want to be automatons to just go through the motions, all these acts of service that we are doing for people and for You. We want to do them because we know why they're important. We know our role. We know how You're using us. We, we recognize uh, there is so much involved in our responsibility. Sometimes we simply need to hear You speak. Lord, change us as a result of what we have heard this evening. In Jesus' name.